Hello and welcome to another episode of TPA Talks. Today we're joined by Barry Hearn, the legendary sports promoter. He'll be telling us about everything from taking snooker and darts live in the COVID crisis through to the BBC. We've got lots to talk about. Stay tuned. Hello, Barry. Thank you for joining us on TPA Talks. How are you doing? Always good, mate. Always good. Enjoying the sunshine. Not enjoying <laughs> the business environment, but hey, we can't do anything about it. We've just got to get stuck in and do the best we can, haven't we? Well, on that note, Barry, I've got to kick off. We heard today the economy's gone into recession. You know, the, the jobs market's going to look a bit shaky. You know, you as someone who hundreds, if not thousands of people. Barry, are we heading for a great recession, do you think? Oh, there's no doubt in my mind we are. There's no question. And it's not going to be, well, it's going to be impossible not to go into a recession. It's a quick, it's a question really of how quickly we can come out of it and how we plan the exit from a recession. There's a lot of people, you know, people give you statements all the time. Sometimes they tell you words you want to hear. And we know even when we listen to them, they're not right. You know, this bounce back ability, we're anticipating a sharp return to full pro productivity. This is all rubbish. You know, this is going to take a long time. Um, I was born just after the Second World War finished, but I've still felt the effect of the Second World War through rationing, through unemployment, through rebuilding a nation's infrastructure. And I think I get the feeling I'm going to be feeling like that again, because I think this is like a recovery period or beginning the recovery period from effectively a world war. But the difference is it's a, an enemy we can't see, touch, feel, hurt. But nonetheless, it's one that can take away everything we've built up. And the numbers are catastrophic. Let's not kid ourselves. You know, the decline in... The only reason why the pound is re remarkably stable is because everybody's in the shit. If it was one person or one country being affected, we'd be in a really bad way. But of course we're not, we're part of a global pandemic. So basically, as the normal law of averages, when everyone gets brought down, it's not so obvious to begin with what you're going through. But we're beginning to see, and I don't want to be a scaremonger, but I think we should always plan for the worst. I, I don't agree with everything Boris Johnson says, he has lots of very media-friendly phrases. But the, the phrase that does resonate is prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So the worst is massive unemployment growing through the next 12 months, a long return before government are even thinking about the possibilities of balancing the books. That's going to be a very old-fashioned way. And a, very op and a clear opportunity to the government to lay down the on the basis of how they're going to achieve this recovery because one thing we can tell you for sure you don't tax your way out of a recovery if you take away the stimulus to growth and productivity and abandon the idea of creating wealth for the benefit of all then you are going to be in this recession for 10 years whereas i believe we'll only be in it managed properly for three or four I said it better myself, Barry, because of course we start taxing people. You just 
you make it more and more difficult for people to set up businesses. You make it more and more difficult for them to keep employing people and you get into that nasty spiral where there's no way out. But what I want, because you've, you've been at the forefront, your business has been at the forefront of this, you know, live events shut down, you know, people not able to meet, you know, you know, shut down, no crowds, all this kind of stuff. How is it? How have you coped? How, How have you transitioned to a time when you can't have audiences for your live events anymore? Well, firstly, I live in the real world. That's number one. So I don't have pretensions. I think I've got a bit of power in some ways. So first thing is, I don't put my head in the sand and say, wake me when it's over. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big boy. Secondly is, I'm so grateful that I've always maintained those Victorian values of laissez-faire society of saving for a rainy day. Number one, I can protect my employees and the, and the products that that I supply to my customers. Number two, in the land of disaster, there are opportunities and I'm in a position to take advantage of those opportunities. This has come through prudent business management over the years, not in one year, over a lifetime. So as a smallish company, but still substantial, we are protected. But now we have to, they, we have to live in the real world and the real world is I produce 650 event days a year, live, and suddenly I've got no live. This is not a good career move. So you have to create, you have to think outside the box and say, we know we're in the shit, how do we get out of it? Well, when you do that with bright ideas, with creative thinking, and with enough investment that you've put away for a rainy day, and by the way, it's not raining, it's pouring. So we looked at ourselves, we're amongst young people, say, right, you know, The traditional model of our business has changed for now and maybe forever. So we came up with ideas. Firstly, a little iPhone. Let's do darts at home. Let's do people playing in their living rooms and their kitchens. Let's see if we can find broadcasters that will put on not the greatest quality, but still world-class sport. And we found out there was customers out there. We suddenly generated 41 days of activity and the players got paid and they produced, we had a nine data in someone's kitchen, happy days. And from there, we went to stage two of the recovery plan and said, right, we need to get better quality. We need to improve, but we don't want to lose the magic of sport. Let's do behind closed doors events. Let's dress the drape. Let's look at some maybe artificial uh, background noise, try and make it as much like an event Unfortunately, without the atmosphere that a live crowd produces, we did Championship League Snooker. Then we did Tour Championship Snooker. We're currently doing the World Bloody Snooker Championships, which was so nearly a pilot event for about half an hour before it got cancelled by the government in, I'm afraid to say, another knee-jerk reaction, which they're getting quite famous for. But that's okay. They're only human. They're not as good as us. They don't have our common sense. They have the background the breeding, the education. Unfortunately, they don't have the common sense, which is why on the street we had a king, because we think on our feet. And we've created a business that we, we love, we're passionate about, so we don't want it to fail, but we do understand we've got to operate in a different world. And our young people have risen to the task, which as a result of that, there's no furlough, there is no one suffering any salary reduction, There is no one thinking tomorrow I might lose my job. We paid our annual bonuses at the end of June 
just the same as we do every year because we're different and we want to make a statement that we're different and our customers, our broadcasters around the world have to be fair, greeted us with open arms, particularly Sky in the UK have been fantastic to work with. People understand the world has changed, but they do want to see you change with it. And the message to the small businesses out there, the entrepreneurs out there is think outside the box. Don't lose what made you special to start with. But at the same time, you have to keep positive in this market. There are opportunities, but the world's going to change. And we have to try and see that change coming. You were quite, it's quite interesting with, with the things that you've done at Matchroom because, you know, you had uh, Eddie, Eddie promoting, you know, fights between YouTubers and, you know, you yeah. sort of, in that sense, maybe you've been a bit ahead of the curve. Do you think that you've been, as well as everything you've talked about in terms of the common sense and everything, do you think you've also been quite lucky? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think we're the best in the world. I think we're the smartest kids in the world. Just don't sound nice saying it, does it? But the reality is we're good. And, you know, when you're good, there's nothing to be ashamed about. All these guys that have a dream to start a business, they need to be encouraged and they need, we all need, no matter, you know, you can have the ego as big as mine. You still need a pat on the back, don't you? I get my pat on the back from ratings, from company figures, from playing a game every year to try and be bigger, better than I was the year before. I don't, I'm too old to need the money, but I like the game. And the game is what separates us from people around the world. That's why we're a special country, we're special people. But we have to understand our responsibilities. And our responsibility is to spread the love, create opportunities, create jobs, create profits, give the government their tax money. Don't take liberties with us, remember, we're on your side. But we understand we've got to pay our way. There's no big... But what we need is we need to be able to get that job done. So we need less red tape, we need more decision making, we need better decisions based on common sense, and we'll do the job for you. And, and that's the only way you're gonna come out of this recession. This recession will be three to four million unemployed, in my view, in the next 12 months. I think there's gonna be a whole looking landscape in terms of high streets. You know, we talked about business rates before. This is gonna drive people, it's gonna be a much more online business. I'm not, I'm concerned about commercial property because I think people are going to say, I don't need 30,000 square feet. Let them work at home. We look at us on Zoom. For the last 35 years, I've been in town probably three, maybe four days a week. I use the Waldorf Hotel. I sit in the same seat. I have my meetings there. I spend 50 quid a day in teas and coffees and it's my office. I haven't been there for five months and I may never go back. I'm adjusting to the new world. And I like the new world. I can have half an hour with you, then I can go off and do something else without traveling, without getting on transport, without spending money. So we're all thinking a different way. And our business will be a lot more home-based going forward. But we want controls. There's some great apps there. We can actually, sorry to be so big brother, but we can check that everyone's working, not laying, on the, not laying in the garden, you know. So everyone has to be sensible, realize how lucky we are to have this opportunity and then make the most of it. Let's get out there and let's rip everybody else to pieces. Let's show them that we're still the best in the world and let's bounce back, but don't expect it to be quick. But you, I mean, you in, in I think it was last year, September of last year, you launched, of course, the bumper book of burdens on business with us where, you know, we yeah. talked 
about some of the things that are facing businesses, some of the, yeah. the burdens on them in ordinary times, let alone yeah. times like this when there's all the additional stuff that you talked about. You know, you've mentioned yeah. things, business rates and things like that. But I mean, fundamentally, Barry, it does come down to does the government get it? I mean, you mentioned earlier, maybe you feel that 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 Boris Johnson doesn't get it. Do you think that the government understands the challenges for businesses at the minute? I think I think they like everything. No one is the real deal. No one is the complete package. Boris is certainly not the complete package. He has a certain amount of Churchillian spirit that's good for tabloid newspapers. But we need pragmatic approach. We need people to be positive and to set the turn the trends. We, as a country, we've got to make lots of changes. We've seen some of those changes through protest over the last few months. We've seen economic downfall of certain areas of society. We've all got to work very hard to make this place a better place. But there needs to be an overall rule. There is too much wealth envy in this world. Because what it does is it puts people off or it sends them away. Great Britain Limited should be a haven for people that want to create business, working with a government that understands that their desire to achieve greatness involves creation of wealth for everybody. We can't be selfish and say X, Y and Z is doing well. Let's tax him. Let's Let's make sure we get him every year. Look at stamp duty and the nonsense of stamp duty. All it did was stop people building effectively or took demand out of the market. What we're seeing now with a sensible approach, up to half a million, no stamp duty. What's happening? We've got a buoyant house building market at the moment. And we need that attitude, that same attitude to be extended to other businesses and to personal taxation rates. If you're now trying to acquire the brains of the world to come to England. You're never going to have a better opportunity, but you've got to be reasonable and realistic and make it attractive to those people. So less red tape, less onerous taxation where you're just trying, basically it's, it's, it, the policies of envy and that doesn't work. We've got to be bigger than that. We've got That's to look at what that. we're bringing in. On that point about envy, Barry, because you know you're you're a working class kid from Dagenham who yeah. did well, and you know can people would look at you and go, yeah, yeah, he absolutely deserves that success. Yeah. What would you say to people who would look at you know look at Eddie and would say, oh, Eddie's had advantages that you didn't have, so yeah. why should they those people be rewarded when they've had? Yeah. What would you say to that? Well, I say to it is not repeatable on a public forum, <laughs> you know. But what I do say to it is, look, every dad wants his kids to do better than he did. So we're no different as a family. And I would look down on any father that didn't want his kid's life to be better than his. So we're in the same game. Now, whether I'm a dustman or whether I'm an entrepreneur, the rules are the same. I want my family to be protected amongst all times. They are my entire life. I work my life to make sure that their life can be better than mine. But if I've done my job properly, and I, I'm proud to say that my two kids, I think I have, I've installed a work ethic and a desire to go to the next level. You know, I've never wanted to just sit still and say, which I could have done 30 years ago. You know, I looked at retiring once. I was 34, for God's sake. I'd made some money. I got lucky. I've been lucky as well. But at the same time, 
I think I've created things as a legacy that I'm proud of. And it's people earning money, earning a living, or, or buying a ticket and having fun, putting a smile on their face. I don't take myself too seriously and I don't expect anybody else to. But what I do say is I'm totally opposed to any form of barrier to entry. It has to be based on ability. Now, this overlaps into black or white, Asian, Muslim or Christian, fat or thin. It just comes down to ability. And, and that's where basic common sense comes in. I don't need to be on the street shouting. I need to be practicing in my life the objectives that I believe that's the important thing in life. Treat everyone as the same because they are the same. It's not, I don't have to try to do that. And over generations, it has changed and it will continue to change. But we have to come out of this with a bond, a work ethic bond. It's not just let's put everybody on the dole and make sure that everyone can just about eat. That doesn't work. That's a, a communist type of theory where you spread the wealth around and all you do is you devalue the top end who drive the business forward at the expense of everybody living in near poverty. That doesn't work. The answer is, let's go into these regions, these areas, these ethnic communities. Let's give them hope and opportunity through education, through jobs, through the fact that if they've got that in them, I can't make you work hard. I can't give you a dream. If you haven't got it, I'm afraid you're not going to be an achiever. My job is to try and convince you and say, look at me, I'm some not much worth person from a working class area that just decided to work hard, got lucky, and then I found out I had some ability. That's in everybody. But too many people don't pick it up. And one of the reasons I pick it up, because we make life too easy for them, or there's no incentive, or there's no opportunity. I will not tolerate a society that has no opportunity as long as it's based on ability. We all have got to be realistic. I, if I wanted to be a brain surgeon, don't tell me I don't have the opportunity, but I would be a terrible brain surgeon because I don't have the ability. It's just common sense. I can spiel a story, I can sell a ticket, I can create an event, I can make sure everyone has fun. That's what I'm good at. Someone else is good at, I don't know, being a school teacher. We've got to look after everybody, but we need to create a better business plan for Great Britain Limited. And to do that, we have to encourage and we have to invest. So the first message to the government is, don't start thinking about balancing the books. Remember you're in the shit. So it's four, five years of budget deficits. Don't try and get your money back quickly by taxing people to the hilt because all you'll do is destroy the economic opportunity that is out there that you will lose out on and you'll never get out of the problem we're in. Let's look at how we can encourage people to invest in this country and in our business and create jobs and bring with it a new wealth because we can do it better than anyone. We did it after the Second World War. We go through to the Macmillan days if you've never had it so good. But that was 10 years after the war. It took us 10 years to recover from World War II. Let's try and do this in three or four. Now, when you're talking about everyone's got to be on a basic wage, I'm actually in favour of the basic wage. And it's for businesses to become efficient enough to afford it and still make a profit. When you make profits, because profits give you sustainability. My business is safe. Thank goodness. Touch wood.
so many of my friends' businesses who I thought were wealthy people are not safe because they have not built a sustainable business. That's where the entrepreneur lets himself down. And it's a two-way street. It's not just us and them. So if you start seeing these massive bonuses, if you start seeing huge dividends, you start seeing asset stripping or plays like that type of economic play, that is not the way forward. The way forward is reward success, but be sensible. And also we have a responsibility for those less fortunate than ourselves. So I'm happy to pay tax. Do you know when I was young, I always wanted to pay a load of tax, a load of tax. And the reason being that you were doing well, then I knew I was doing okay. When I wasn't paying any tax, I was skin. That wasn't fun. So when now you, as you get a little bit more aggressive in a business sense, of course you don't want to be taxed. I mean, I remember paying tax during, I think the Harold Wilson days, 98%, which was, I think it was 70%, 70 or 80% direct taxation plus 15% investment surcharge. Now, do you think I wanted to get out of bed to make 2%? And the answer is, of course, I didn't. Now, the alternative was to establish a black economy and work for cash. And that's obviously not a good idea either, as far as the country's concerned. The moment, and I don't, you know, there'll be people that don't like Maggie Thatcher and all that, but during her years, when taxes were beginning, you know, they started weekly, but they came down, they gave us an opportunity to buy a house. They gave us a feeling of ownership, which I think is so important. And they gave us the opportunity to say, do you know what? If you grow your business, we won't kill you. Now, the first thing that Rushi had done, who, who has, who's showing signs, of showing signs, but only signs, the first thing he's done is lowered entrepreneurs' relief from 10 million to 1 million. An insignificant amount of government money, frankly, in the bigger picture. If that puts off even a handful of people, from building a business in the UK, then that is a diabolically bad decision. It's not the fact that the fellow's saved himself, well, saved himself maybe four or five million quid of tax. It's a little slap on the shoulder and a thank you for what you've done to our country. That's what they miss, the jobs you've created. Now, if they don't create jobs, if they're just in the, another rule, but we've got to invest in people. And the only way to invest in people is for other people to invest in their own business. Don't take us for Muppets. We're not Muppets. We're ordinary people. We have to earn a living. We have to put food on the table for our children. We have to have a future for our children. We're prepared for sacrifices in our nature. But show us the way forward and show us a dream for the future. And don't show it in a negative sense. Let's be positive about it because we've proved we've got the character to do it. And I, to my mind, I find in these ways strangely motivating. I find myself more excited every day when I get up because I'm, you know, because we're against the odds, aren't we? What do we do? Eddie's spent a million pound investment in my back garden. I'm looking out now. All I can see is a ring. It's amazing. And we have four weeks of fight camp. No one in the world is talking about it. And I'm proud of that. We're not frightened to invest in something we believe. And our partners are, are proud of us. Sky TV, you know, zone all around the world. These people say, yeah, and entrepreneurs can understand entrepreneurs. We understand the risk you're taking. We understand it's not going to be an easy ride. 
we're happy to be part of that ride with you. From small acorns, enormous oak trees grow, but you've got to plant the acorn. And you can't plant it, cut off half of it, and say, I'll eat that, or I'll give that to someone else, because you destroy the whole motive of going forward. You, you mentioned, Barry, you mentioned Sky there, and, and you know, you've done, lo looking back on your career, you've done a lot, particularly in snooker, with the BBC. Yeah. Just want to ask you about that. That's a bit of a that's a bit of a hot topic at the minute. You know, there are some people who feel on that point about positivity that you mentioned. There are some people who feel that the BBC has been negative. You know, it was moaning about Brexit. It moans. It complains. Uh, you're always going to get. Always going to get the BBC. Well, firstly, you're always going to get criticism of everybody. You know, because you're not going to agree with everybody, and you'll find bias where other people don't find bias. And the BBC might find bias with you. To my mind, it's all academic because there's freedom of choice. You can turn it off. Now, when it comes to license fees, entirely different proposal. The BBC is an anachronism. It's miles, miles past its sale by day. You know, the question comes on, people like me look at the BBC and look at some of their decisions and think, who the hell do you think you are? You're just another channel. But we want you to be a good channel. And we'd like maybe a certain amount of arts, but let's not get too lovey on this. Not everybody likes Coronation Street, EastEnders, those type of people, but then not everyone likes the South Bank show or documentaries. We have varying tastes. So the only answer, and again, it's common sense is, BBC should be a commercial station. We live in a competitive world. Why should we be paying to watch something? If we want to have a pay station, the BBC should have freedom to create a pay station if they've got the product that the consumer wants. In all of our businesses, if I produce a show that no one wants to go and see, how do you reckon I do? Pretty shit, right? So <laughs> now I produce a show that everybody wants to go and see, how do I do? Bloody marvellous. That's the same basic rule. So the BBC have got to come of age. They've played games, they've started it. And look, I love the BBC for the fact that they're honourable, they're old fashioned, they are slightly scary like me. We're in a new world, young people's world. We've got to understand it because we're not going to be here forever. And the younger people are going to be the customers of today or tomorrow. So we've got to adjust at any business to where our customers really are, not where we want them, where they are. And the BBC now should be given three years to get their act together and they should rival ITV and the other pay networks or they should go subscription on certain channels if they want to and live in the real world, not the world they perceive to be their real world. We're talking about understanding your customer, the golden rule of all business. It's not who you are or where you are. It's what your customer wants and is prepared to pay for. And you have to adjust yourself. But the idea of being a drain on society, of charging everyone a license fee, when there's hundreds of other stations out there for free, it's just like yesterday. This is a dinosaur waiting to be let out onto an island of its own. Time to come up, time to wake up, BBC. It's not what they want to hear, and they're good customers of mine. I don't want to upset them. I think my product fits in the new BBC. I think the World Snooker Championships, who knows? 
Is it a pay-per-view model? But the world is changing. Youngsters today don't want to spend a lot of money for programs they're not interested in. They don't mind spending a little bit of money for programs they are, but they want to watch when they want to watch on the appliance that they want to watch it on and they want to watch it wherever they are. So whether it's mobile, whether it's smart TV, whether it's internet streaming or whether it's bog standard TV, there's a market there for everybody and you should always adjust to market conditions. But the idea of charging you X amount of money per year and suddenly over 75s, I'm not there yet, by the way, 72, but <laughs> over 75s, I've suddenly got to pay. You think, is that what our society's come down to? Is that really where we are? Is there not another way? Is there not another way where we can look after our own people that have been the reason why we are where we are and the reason why what we are? Don't we owe those people something? I think we do. So paid licenses are no-no. Go and make yourself a business. Listen, my friends at ITV will be horrified. They don't want another competitor in the market. But you know, when you get more than one competitor, you create a bigger market. So who's to say that's not, and by the way, the profits they make, which they inevitably will if they're run properly, they'll be taxed. They'll be making a contribution rather than just putting their hand out and saying, feed me. <laughs> well said. I've got to ask, Barry, you, you know, you can talk the arm legs off a donkey, mate, and you've got a lot of opinions. <laughs> Have you considered a career in politics? You know what? I would love to be. I don't think I want to be Rishi. I would love to, obviously, anyone who's passionate about life, about their country, about common sense, anyone who sees things in a slightly different angle. I, I, in my sporting world, I think most people know me as a benevolent despot. I have to have control because I believe I know how to do it better than anyone else. Uh, along comes Eddie, my son, he may be better than me, but that's good. And other people who have joined our organization from 16 year olds to 17 year olds are suddenly running big parts of our, our business. So I'm always open and receptive to ideas, but I do like to listen and then make the final call because I'm not frightened of responsibility. So the idea, if I was 20 years younger, trust me, I'd be prime minister without a doubt, without a doubt, because I think I see the vision of where we are, but it is built around responsible planning, not waste. There's too much waste. You know, what we're going to find out a lot of people in business will find out during COVID-19 that when we come out of this, I believe we'll be running a better business, strangely. I think we'll have seen, we'd have asked questions, why do we do it like that? You know, all of a sudden, well, actually, we could do it like this. It works, it's better, it's more efficient. Perhaps it makes more money. Perhaps it does a better service. Government's gotta be the same. You know, we've got an awful lot of public health, public servants. It's a huge drain on the economy. We need people that create, not just people that service. There needs to be a better balance. And that's part of looking, you know, you run the country the same as you run a major company. Major companies, the old Japanese style, you know, major companies look after you. And Aaron Bevan summed it up, but he, he wasn't as good a capitalist as he should have been. 
He summed it up when he said, from cradle to grave. That is our responsibility and the responsibility of anyone who's successful or is in positions of power. We have responsibilities. We must, we dare not turn around. And we've left a lot of people in this country behind. You know, you've done a wonderful campaign on, for example, on overseas aid, one of the big joke markets. Basically, it's just go and spend money. Well, I don't mind you spending money. Let's spend it on our own people first. You know, I think there are five stages in life. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much, but there are five stages in life. The first stage of successful people, and my advice to kids, I'm just about to start a new campaign in Dagenham, funnily enough, with youngsters about trying to get them jobs and trying to understand what it takes to really make sacrifices because it doesn't just land in your lap. You've got to work. So the first stage is selfishness. You've got to look after yourself beyond anyone else at the detriment of others. You've got to make that move. You've got to sacrifice. The second stage when you've achieved a certain level is to look after your family because they're the most important thing in your life. The third stage is to remember where you come from and look after your community. Now you get, now you've got to be super successful to make stage four. You look after your country. And stage five, which currently is restricted to a handful of people, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, where you try and look after the world. Now we'll all aim for the stars and fall on the moon, but at least we've got our aim, you know? So I'm at stage three in my life. I may never see stage four, but I'll keep trying. But the first stage is the most important. You want to be successful? You live in a country where there are opportunities, not perfect. We're working. We've got to work together to get it more, more perfect. But there are opportunities, but there's a price to pay. No one gives you diddly shit, my son. You want to come out of this world and do something? Graft. Graft. Someone once said to me, how can I improve productivity in my company? I said, easy, mate. Start an hour earlier, finish an hour later. It works. When you've got that attitude, you become relentless. And that, it may not make you a terrifically nice person. And some people don't want this type of life. It's freedom of choice. Where would we be without the NHS? These people sacrifice themselves. They want to work in service. That doesn't make them better than me or worse than me. It makes them different. I've got the ability to create jobs, to pay huge amounts of taxes without moaning, as long as it's on a fair basis. I pay my whack. In the same way as I go down a pub, I don't hang about when it's my round. I know my, but I don't go to the bar and pay for everybody's drinks all night because that would be stupid and patronizing. So we have an opportunity, it's up to us now. Lovely, Barry. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been great to have you here on TPA Talks. There we go for another episode of TPA Talks. Thanks to Barry. Make sure you like, comment and subscribe and we'll see you again soon.